This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. Greetings, and welcome to this lecture, which is part of the Symposium on the Human-Ape Paradox, a fascinating topic. And to me, there is no more fascinating part of this paradox than skin. Most people don't think about skin between humans and apes as being that interesting because nobody's really talked about it very much. But in the next few minutes, you'll see that it's really interesting. Naked skin, or mostly naked skin, is one of the hallmarks of modern humans and has probably probably been in our lineage for oh, about two million years. What is the significance of this? Why did it evolve in the first place? And what do we do with it once it has evolved? This is a really fascinating evolutionary story that I've been really privileged to work on for about the last 20 years. It's pretty clear that our skin is very different from that of our closest living relatives, the chimpanzees. When the chimpanzee genome was studied and published in 2005, we realized just how significant this difference was. Many people expected us, the humans, to be really different from chimps in genes related to our brain or our musculature. But it turns out that we were most divergent from chimpanzees in our skin and specifically in the surface or epidermis of our skin. So this really delighted me because I knew that human skin was remarkably special in many of its properties. If we look at this wonderful graphic that I call the hairy timeline of human evolution, we can see that humans diverged from our closest living relatives, chimpanzees, about seven and a half million years ago. In other words, that's when we shared a common ancestor. And our common ancestor probably had lightly pigmented skin covered with dark hair. But if we fast forward up to the emergence of our own members of the genus Homo around 2 million years ago, we see that something else is going on in the evolution of skin. Our skin is becoming considerably less hairy and is becoming more pigmented. If we look at this superb specimen of an early member of our genus, discovered on the western shores of Lake Turkana in Kenya, we see really a very modern-looking human skeleton with very long legs, relatively short arms. This was a really active, striding, sweating biped. Naked skin is one of the hallmarks of modern humans. And we evolved naked skin almost certainly at about the time of the emergence of the genus Homo, as we became more and more active and needed to liberate more body heat from the surface of our bodies. Hair and heavy coats of hair, like our chimpanzee relatives have, is very good at 
insulating us, but it also impedes the evaporation of sweat and the cooling of the surface of the body. And so we basically lost most of our body hair. The tiny hairs are still there, but effectively we are mostly hairless, except for a few parts of our body, including the surfaces of our head. So in early members of the genus Homo, we had a mostly naked skin that is the primary interface with the environment. And wow, this is a completely different kind of, of primate than we have seen before. And we'll just see how different this is. When humans lost most of their body hair, we lost many of the abilities that we used to have as apes in being able to show our emotions, not only through posture and facial expressions, but also through erecting our hair. These very agitated chimpanzees show this, this very, very effective emotional display. What happened when we lost most of our hair? This is a really good question. Well, we know that humans and apes are very visually oriented. So what visual signals sort of replaced this ability to raise the hair, to show fear and anger and emotional um, motivations, as it were? Well, we can speculate that one of the things that developed in our lineage was a heightened ability to express our emotions through our facial expressions. And so we've seen very finely differentiated facial muscles and an even greater focus on the skin of the face. So very, very mobile and expressive faces. And on the skin itself, we see that blushing becomes a salient social signal in everyone, regardless of skin color. The effusion of the skin, the suffusion of the skin with blood in uh, at times of heightened emotion, especially embarrassment, becomes a very, very important social signal that other people take cognizance of. And we begin with our beautiful naked skin and our cultural abilities to decorate ourselves. This is something that no ape does. Humans decorate themselves lavishly and in many ways. They use their skin as a canvas for self-expression. The piece of ochre on the right side is retrieved from the Blombos Cave archaeological site in South Africa. It was over 70,000 years ago. It was probably used to decorate people as well as the surfaces of rock shelters. We are not only visual, we are highly color sensitive as visually oriented primates. And so we end up developing very colorful modes of decorating our naked skin, and we become very, very attuned to slight differences in color of the skin. In these two beautiful examples, the man on the right uh, shows a very 
beautiful South American pigment that is used in body painting, especially facial painting. And the woman on the left from Burma shows these extremely fine tattoos, signaling of intent, signaling of identity, signaling of meaning through the decoration of the skin is extremely important in humans and is really universal. One of the few things that we can see in virtually every culture that has ever been studied. We see combinations of different kinds of, of skin-based decoration, scars, tattoos, sometimes mixed with body painting and other forms of body art. But this naked skin, not only is a beautiful canvas for self-expression, is naked and exposed to the sun. We evolved in tropical habitats with very high solar loads. So how did we deal with hot sun without the protective covering of hair on our bodies? When we look at the intensity of ultraviolet radiation on the Earth's surface, we can see that in the areas of Africa, close to the equator, here where I'm pointing, where our lineage differentiated, where early members of the genus Homo lived and early members of Homo sapiens lived, we have very high levels of ultraviolet radiation in this very equatorial and dry area. These pink and red areas are very high areas of ultraviolet radiation. The green and gray areas concomitantly much lower. These turn out to be really important because as humans disperse from mostly being tropical living to living all over the world, they're adapting to different levels of ultraviolet radiation. And the primary way in which they adapt to these levels is through changes in skin pigmentation. When we reconstruct the likely appearance of that ancestral member of the genus Homo, we reconstruct the male and the female to have mostly naked skin covered with sweat glands and imbued with dark protective pigmentation. Melanin pigmentation turns out to be a remarkably good natural sunscreen. Here we can see a diagram of the eumelanin molecule. It's a long polymer molecule that provides exquisite protection against ultraviolet radiation. It shows up as dark. It absorbs most visible light, but it's a remarkable neutralizer of reactive oxygen species that are formed when ultraviolet radiation impinges on the skin and it absorbs ultraviolet radiation itself. So it's a remarkable, remarkable pigment that is used by humans in their evolution, as well as by myriad other mammals and other vertebrates that live under intense UV light. So when we look at our hairy timeline of human evolution and 
go up to two million years ago, we see the the evolution of functionally naked, potentially very sweaty skin with dark pigmentation. And as we begin to move to early members of our own species, Homo sapiens, that is evolving in Africa around 300,000 years ago, we see that those people are evolving increasingly darkly pigmented skin. And this is what we see in all of humanity from the beginning, from our very origins as modern humans about 300,000 years ago, until some small groups began to leave the African continent around 80,000 years ago, all humans were darkly pigmented, imbued with marvelous eumelanin pigmentation that protected them from the harmful effects of ultraviolet radiation. So what happened in human evolution? The man on the left has this beautiful natural sunscreen in his skin, but what about the woman on her right? In order to understand her skin, we need to understand the pace and nature of dispersals of early humans into the non-tropical parts of the world. So if we go back to our ultraviolet radiation map and think about how early Homo sapiens may have moved through the old world and eventually into northern parts of Eurasia, as well as eventually into northern parts of the new world, we basically see a story of tropical people going out of the tropics, at least some of them, and some of them re-entering tropical latitudes. This has tremendous implications for the evolution of skin pigmentation because it turns out that although most ultraviolet radiation is harmful, some of it turns out to be useful, in effect, essential. The dispersal into high latitudes involved both biological and cultural adaptations, and both turn out to be remarkably important in the evolution of Homo sapiens as populations disperse, especially into high latitudes away from the equator. We can really describe that in the ancestors of Western Europeans and Eastern Asians, we see a loss of pigmentation. This lightly pigmented skin is very good at actually scavenging ultraviolet radiation photons in order to begin the process of making vitamin D in the skin. As I said, most ultraviolet radiation is harmful, but some UV radiation, short wavelength UVB, is necessary to produce vitamin D in the skin. As people dispersed into higher latitudes, it was actually essential for their health and reproductive success for them to have less eumelanin sunscreen in their skin. Hence, my use of the word depigmentation. So we can really think about skin pigmentation as an evolutionary compromise. 
And this is one of the great distinctions between apes and humans, is that humans, Homo sapiens, one species that comes in a remarkable range of skin colors that are quite finely tuned to ultraviolet radiation levels. People who live closer to the equator in areas of high UV have emphasized protection against intense solar radiation, whereas people living closer to the poles have emphasized that photosynthetic ability to make more vitamin D in the skin. These three men are beautiful examples of darkly pigmented skin in three evolutionarily distinct lineages of modern people, all closely related genetically, but they have been distinct from one another uh, in that they diverged from a common ancestor and then dispersed into different parts of the old world at different times. What's so interesting about them when we look at their skin pigmentation genes is that they diverge in many genes. Even though they look the same, the skin pigmentation genetic mechanisms for making dark pigmentation or tanned skin are actually distinct. In both lightly pigmented skin and darkly pigmented skin, there are multiple genes that contribute to the same phenotype or the same appearance under similar solar conditions. Many genes can work to produce the same effect under the same environmental conditions. This is really interesting. So the guy from India on the right and the guy from Africa on the left actually both have darkly pigmented skin, but for slightly different genetic reasons. And similarly, these guys all share different characteristics of their bodies. When we look at the shape of their heads, their noses, the texture of their hair, and other features of their face and bodies, we can see that they look remarkably different from one another, even though they all have darkly pigmented skin. And this is really important to recognize that skin pigmentation evolved mostly independently of other traits. And so it can't be used as a unique marker of group identity or racial identity. So here we are, this beautiful, beautiful multicolored species one of the things that modern humans didn't anticipate in their early evolution was that we would be moving all over the world, mixing and mingling with one another. We have these beautiful theaters of human evolution and human interactions, not always good-natured ones, because of our penchant for visual observation and for creating differences between one another on the basis of fine perceived differences. But mostly we are a harmonious, beautiful, multicolored species capable of tremendous amounts of cutaneous self-expression through our beautifully naked skin. I want to thank very much Carta for the invitation to participate in this session 
and my husband and collaborator, George Chaplin, for continuing support and discussion, my research assistant, Tess Wilson, for assistance in all, uh, all practical matters with my research, and many, many people and organizations who have funded my research and who have discussed these results over the years. I hope you'll get in touch with me with your questions. Thank you. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.